0: I want to ask you to take your Bible out this morning. I want you to find the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. While you're turning there, can I ask you this question? Do you find your life sometimes just getting complicated beyond your ability to be able to enjoy living. Complicated to the point that you can just lose the joy of living in the middle of the things that God's blessed you with, in the middle of the things that he's doing. Complication. And that can be from a variety of things. That, that can be cause somebody's mad at you. It can be cause you hadn't been feeling good That can be because the complications of a new assignment, a new opportunity, a new responsibility at work or wherever in a startup business. It's complication, complication, complication. In this technical age in which we live, it's it's just easy, very easy to fall off into that trap of never being able to separate yourself from your phone. We've got this umbilical cord tied to Apple. You know, and we, we feel disoriented when we have too much information, then we can feel disoriented when we can't get that information. We've lost our whatever, our phone. Into that situation this morning, whatever may be the source of your complicated life, the real Jesus, not, not the one still in Mary's lap, not the one still dying on a cross, on a sculpture, or a statue, or art, but the real Jesus, the real alive Jesus, the the real lover of your soul this morning, Jesus, the real one who said, there's no place that you'll ever be that I am not to. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, the one whose name is Emmanuel, God with us, God with us, says to us, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I can make life simpler for you. Trust me. I can make life simpler for you. Matthew chapter 6, these words of Jesus, starting in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his life's span? Put another way, and which of you, by getting all stirred up and all worried and all anxious and making everybody around you also anxious? I I added that a little. Which of you by being anxious can add 18 inches to the length of your life by being anxious? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not tall nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, those who don't know the one true and living God. For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. The words of Jesus... Trust me, I can make life simpler for you. The summary, verse 33, but you seek first the kingdom of God and what's right in his eyes and all these things, these other things that he knows you need Father knows you need. Your Father knows you need. All these things (laughs) shall be given to you, shall be added to you. To get where we need to get this morning, in in that verse becoming something more than just a well-worn Bible verse that some of us memorized when we were eight years old in vacation Bible school or we've sung the tune to over the years in church, where, where it, it moves beyond just what we've memorized. It moves beyond the rote, and it begins to live, and live in the sense that it begins to have the ability to alter the way we think about how we do life and how we let life do things to us. I I want to, in order to get there, here's a question I want to ask you. Has there ever been somebody in your life, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, maybe an older uncle or aunt or grandfather, grandmother, somebody, somebody at work, has there ever been somebody that when you were in their presence, you found yourself being called higher. You found yourself something within you, not because you felt guilted by them, not because you felt like they had a list of things that you better do, but there was just something about being in their presence that called you higher. Someone who was bigger than you, not bigger necessarily physically, but their grasp on life, their grasp, their perspective on a number of things so impressed you that you were realizing you were in the presence of somebody bigger than you, somebody who knew more, somebody wiser than you, but in very unique cases, somebody that you felt like, for whatever reason, cared about you. Took an interest in you and there was something about that that seemed to call you higher instead of being in the presence of other people who would suck you lower. You'd find yourself in the presence of that person eager to please them, wanting to look good in their eyes, you found yourself quick to listen to them, wanting to imitate them, and yet you knew that they knew your limits and your weaknesses, but somehow in their presence you were okay with that. You weren't overwhelmed with how big they were. You didn't feel like a failure in their presence. It wasn't that you were striving to impress so much so that you played a game trying to become something that you weren't in their eyes, but you just wanted to please them with your desire to improve and your desire to grow. They somehow had the ability to draw the best out of you. Know anybody like that? Would you raise your hand if if you've thought of somebody like that? When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What he's saying, first of all, that is just a given in a basic understanding of what a kingdom is, is that you can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. You, you would call it a constitutional monarchy, you would call it something other than a kingdom if it didn't have a king. And what he's saying, first of all, I believe is to seek first the kingdom of God is that you seek to find yourself aware of the presence of the king. The one who ultimately has the ability To call us higher. To take us to places from within by creating desires and creating a heart that we can be more than what we have always been. By being in his presence. The sense of his presence. Who who is the king here? Would you leave the first book in the New Testament and go with me to the last book in the New Testament, the book of the Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, John records, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire. And upon his head are many crowns, many diadems. And he has a name written upon himself, which no one knows except himself. Skip down to verse 14. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. This this is the day, the ultimate day, the final day, when the kingdom of God, led by the King of kings and Lord of lords, will come and will be imposed upon the earth. This Jesus will one day rule again from the throne of his father, David, in the city of Jerusalem. The capital of the world will one day be the city of Jerusalem, according to the scripture. Between now and then, years have come to pass. Events yet to be unfolded will have to take place before the kingdom of God comes upon this earth. But what's happening now is the kingdom of God led by the person of the exalted, resurrected Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the rule of God in the hearts of men and women is happening in the hearts of men and women. It hasn't become a physical, national reality yet, but it's happening in the hearts of people today, and that's why we're here. Verse 16 says, and on his robe and on his thigh, he, this is the Jesus who returns to the earth, the second coming of Jesus to this earth, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So whose kingdom are we talking about when Jesus will say here is the way in your life right now in the middle of the circumstances pro or con good or bad easy or hard here is the way for your life to find itself in more of a simple mode you seek first the rule and reign of God in your heart And what is right in God's sight for your life in the areas of influence and responsibility that you have, you seek to meet out to express what is right in the king's eyes. And here's the promise attached to it. Everything you need will be added to you. You won't have to try to get it by hook or by crook. You won't have to destroy your life in the pursuit of it. You set your passion to please the king to do what is right in his sight. And he pledges himself to you that he will see to it that everything you need that he knows you need will be taken care of. You see, the Christian life, properly understood, is the simplest life on the face of the earth. You only have one to please. So comprehensive is that statement. that The Lord has said in his word in the book of Proverbs, when a man's ways please the Lord, he, the Lord, makes even his enemies, the man's enemies, to be at peace with him. If, as we said last week, the Lord's able to do that with the enemies, then the Lord's able to do that with the other circumstances and relationships of our lives as well. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen immediately. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a, a very clear connect the dots. But folks, that's why he's God and we're not. You seek first the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus the King in your heart. I want to suggest three aspects to that. And I want you to make note of these somewhere along the line because I feel like this is a, this is a promise. This is, in a sense, a, a, a directive for us as a people coming into this brand new year. Live a less complicated life live in such a way that we're not sweating what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to dress ourselves with. That's covered by the promise of God. And here's our part. This is our part in the promise. Seek first the kingdom of God. The word seek is the word from which we get our word zeal or zealot or zealous. It means that there's a fire in your heart it means that there's a longing there is a passion in the heart that is what drives the next part of the meaning of the word seek in the New Testament sense it's a fire it's a longing it's a drive it's a burning it's a push from the inside but it means that that presses you into, that that drives you into the place where you're conducting a search. You're looking for something, driven from the inside, and you're looking for something that you can't be satisfied just by a casual, cursory glance-around look. Oh, I looked for it, but I didn't find it. It's the word translated seek, New Testament, that word translated for us in English, the word seek. It means to look for something until you find it. Not just that you opened the door and looked and closed the door, I didn't see it in there. But it's the kind, you not only opened the door, you opened every shelf, you opened every drawer, you picked up the corner of the rug, you moved furniture. Until you found it. It's the exact same word that is used to describe the heart of the shepherd who seeks the lost sheep. And Jesus will say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come just to look for him and glance around and and hope everybody just knew I've looked. I'm not content. I can't end my search. Until I'm holding them in my grip, that sheep is in my arm. Same word. Same word. Same word. It is as if the Lord is blessing this kind of passion. He's honoring this kind of singular focus of a life. You seek first. You crave most. And the word for first, first. It not only means first in order, one, two, three, four, it means first in rank. Most important, most necessary, most desired. So it is both number one in the order and number one in the rank. Seek first, seek most the kingdom. God. What is the kingdom of God? What is Jesus talking about? Three aspects that I think are vivid and clear from looking at the New Testament and they come out of even this passage. First thing, seeking the kingdom of God means to seek his presence to seek his presence back to the story of the person that if you just got in their presence you just found yourself being called higher well oh that we would be that kind of person amen that people would be would want to be around us not because we suck them in the gutter not because we draw them away from the things that are light and that are good and that are health but they seek to be around us because that's what they find emanating from us. That's the effervescence that we give forth. Helping people, we're calling folks higher instead of sucking them lower. You, You be careful of people. They may have a big name now and they may be able to throw money at you and they may be able to supposedly open doors of opportunity for you, but if you get away from them or even you're around them and you feel like you are less of a person, you're being sucked into dirt Where I need to go with that? (laughs) Gather up your loins about you. Walk out the door. Slam the door. Never to return again. Because they ultimately are not the door openers for you. The one who holds the key of David, who opens and nobody closes, and who closes and nobody shuts, he sets before his people a door which no man or woman can close. Because... We have a little power. We've kept his word and we've not denied his name. That's that's how we are to live and to evaluate, in a sense, ones of influence around us. But to seek his presence, to seek the sense of his presence, to seek the sense of the presence of the king, To remind ourselves as we wake up in the morning to remind ourselves as we have our first meeting of the day to remind ourselves as we start getting texts and emails and questions and all kinds of stuff and opinions coming to remind ourselves before we ever get in there of his presence he's not shaken he's not scared he's not leaving His name is Jesus, and he's not still a baby in Mary's lap. He's not still dying on a cross. He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords, and there is no place you will ever go where he is not. Sometimes we have to call that to memory, to seek first the kingdom of God, means we need to talk to ourselves sometimes. Self. Self, listen to me, self. I know we got a bunch of big people and some big mouths and a lot of stuff going on in the room and we've got all kinds of stuff bouncing around. But Lord, will you help me to remember the biggest one in this house? You know what that'll do? That'll keep you from feeling like you got to talk When it's just real wise to just shut up if you lose track of who the biggest is in the room and whose side you're on we can tend to talk too much or not speak up when we need to speak up or have our feelings hurt by lateral shots because we've taken our eyes off of the vertical flow of this statement that's true, True, still true, Titus 3, 5. But when the kindness of God and his love for mankind appeared. He saved me. He saved you. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. The one who is the biggest in the room is the God of my mercy. He is the God with kindness in his heart toward me. He is the one who has found something in me that he was drawn to, that he desired a friendship with me. And yet he is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. Folks, listen. You carry that into a boardroom. You carry that into a conversation. You carry that into all-out war breaking against you. And there was a settleness. There is a steadiness. They can fire their rounds and drop their bombs to no effect on your emotion and on your spirit. When you realize how little they are compared to how awesome he is. Seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first and you seek most the enduring, abiding sense of his presence. Now, Jesus will say, this is something you're going to need to seek. This isn't necessarily something that's just going to be dumped on you. The blessings will come reciprocally in response to your seeking. So sometimes we do. Need to talk to ourselves and remind ourselves. Number two, to seek first the kingdom is not only to seek his presence, but it is secondly to pursue what pleases him. To pursue What pleases him. Back again, back again to the person who when you are in their presence or have been in their presence, they called you higher. You you wouldn't necessarily have the kind of freedom to stay in their presence very long if you came in doing and continued to do something that was an obvious affront to what they stood for, what they believed in, what you've known them to sacrifice for and to give themselves to with great energy and difficulty at times. To seek first the kingdom is to pursue what pleases the king. And I want to tell you, that, that, that's not a complicated deal. That, that's not something, well, I just don't know if I can ever, ever know what God, what pleases God. Let me give you a verse and just write this one down. Jot it on the both sides of your hand, up and down, one finger and another, you need it. It's not rocket science. The problem is not that we don't know what God wants us to do. The problem is a lot of times we just don't want to do what God wants us to do. Right, right. Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. Say that back to me, please. Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you, O man? But to do justly. To do what's right. To do what's right. In the sight of God. To do what's right. To love mercy. To love kindness. To love kindness. To love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. If you'll think back again to the person whose presence just seems to call you higher, I think you'll find it very interesting that humility in that setting is not a hard thing. <laughs> you're just in there and you're around them and you're listening to them or you're just being with them and you are aware by being, just being next to them, they are bigger than you. Again, not physically necessarily, they're just just a bigger person. They're just bigger in their knowledge, bigger in their wisdom, bigger further in their experience. When you know who they are, humbling yourself in the presence of who they are isn't a hard thing, it's easy. Because you somehow know if you tried to blow smoke, that they'd just see right through it. And you don't want to be told when the presence of somebody like that, you don't know what you're talking about. When they say that back to you, you don't know what you're talking about. Your experience isn't far enough. Your knowledge doesn't take you to the degree. They don't do that because they're necessarily. that's not how they operate. But what I'm trying to get at is humility that pleases the Lord is not a hard thing when we're realizing who we're in the presence of. Save of our souls. The one who took the steps himself, knowing what would befall him, knowing who we were and what we have done, took the steps to go to the cross, to be executed in my place, For sins that he never committed, I did. And he willingly took that upon himself and went and faced and went through death for me. And here that one is in my presence. No matter who else is also in my presence. No matter what the color of my circumstances may be at that point in time, this one who has proven his love for me by his own death is in my presence and I am in his presence. And all hell may be breaking loose this way or all kinds of impossible opportunities and assignments may be being dumped on our little desk in his presence. Humble before him. But I'm only here because the best I know, I was following you to get to this place. And I declare you haven't left me. You hadn't stopped loving me and started liking somebody else better. You are not a fickle lover. And I humble myself. It's a natural thing. It's not a hard thing. What I'm is this humility is only a challenge when we're not really sure who it is we need to humble ourselves before. But when you know who he is, and he's with you, and he's around you, and he's in you, to do that which pleases him in that way is much easier. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Seek to please him. Lord, is it right? It doesn't matter if 500 others are saying, this is what you better do, this is what you better do, this is what you better do. They are on down the list as far as final approval for a decision to be made. To seek first the kingdom of God in the middle of business, in the middle of relationships with family, in the middle of doctors, all of those things. Lord, what pleases you? You are my king, this is my doctor. You are my king, this is my lawyer. You are my king, this is my spouse. You are my king, these are my kids. Yes, what pleases you? And all these things he said will be added unto you. The things that are necessary. And then those were just categories of necessities for living, making it on this earth. What we eat, what we drink, what we put on, shelter, that's sort really of But it covers, those are just examples. It covers every category of our lives. It's back to that old statement. You honor him, and he will honor you. You honor him, and he will honor you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek his presence. Seek his presence. Christ in you, your hope of glory. Christ in you, your hope of glory. Seek what pleases him. Finally, seek his power. Seek his power. Seek his power. I I don't know that you've heard me yet. Seek his... Power. Acts chapter 1. Will you find that? We're going to be wrapping it up here in about another couple hours. So you don't, need to, you don't need to worry about that. Acts chapter 1. Now listen, Christian, student of the Word of God, disciple of Jesus, listen to these words. Verse 3, Acts 1, verse 3. To these he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering, after his death on the cross, can present himself alive by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. There was a 40-day Bible conference led by Jesus, and there was one and one only topic in the Bible conference, and it was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. What is that? What does it mean? How do we know when it's here? What do we look for? Verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is this an earthly restoration of the kingdom? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, which has to do with the restoring of the kingdom of Israel. Verse eight, but you, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. That which Jesus Summarize the kingdom of God in was the declaration that in order for his followers to know and experience, live in and live out the kingdom of God, they were going to have to wait for something to happen to them. Because information wouldn't be enough. He had told them, "Here's the plan. Jerusalem is the was part of the earth. Knowing the plan for world evangelization was not enough. They needed power. They needed power. Now, I know some of you are looking back at me saying, where's he going with this? I may not be going where some of you think I'm going. Others, I may head right where you think I'm heading. But the point is, Paul will say the kingdom of God is not words but it's power. You can memorize the whole Bible and not have power if Paul's words are true. You can be able to do all the eschatology of John and Ezekiel and Daniel and get it all numbered and fixed and pegged and down and not have no power of this type. Preachers can preach, tell funny stories, get people to come down the aisle Words, 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 words. And Paul says the kingdom of God is not words, it's power. What are we talking about? Power. The power of the living Christ. Moving into your chest. Affecting your brain. And affecting our wills to choose, our emotions, and even affecting how we think. Christ in you is your hope of glory. I can do all things through the one who is giving me the strength. Listen, folks, I'm telling you, it's not enough to be able to say, well, I know who the king is. The king is Jesus. It's not even enough to to say, well, you know, I know he's here. The rest of it is, Lord, I know you're the king, and I know you're here, but I'm asking you to infuse me with the power that I need to be a witness for you, to stand for you, to be as you would want me to be, to shut up or to speak, to feel what I need to feel, to choose what I need to choose as you would choose. I need you to give me kingdom power in my real time, real life, in the middle of what I'm going through right now. I'm seeking it. I'm seeking your presence. I'm seeking to please you. And I'm like a heat-seeking missile seeking your power. And I won't be satisfied until it happens. Some folks say this is the saddest thing I hear. Well, that's just the way I am, Pastor. That's just the way I've always been. I just can't ever be anything other than this because it's just the way I've always been. You keep thinking that. You keep believing that. That's exactly what you'll be. The same as you've always been. But will you understand who it is who never has left you? And you understand somehow there's a heart that you do want to please him and then somehow there was within you this cry that goes out, that goes up because he said we had permission to ask. Yeah. Lord, I need your power to change me. I'm my own worst enemy. Yeah. I'm my own biggest problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell you where we fit this. What does it require of you? To walk humbly. Do what's right. Love kindness. You got somebody in your life, some situation in your life, where the last thing on your list is something kind toward them. It doesn't matter how many verses of Scripture you know. It doesn't matter that you've been a charter member of Alamo City and before that, something else. No power in words. But for the power of God to transform a hating heart, a heart, that, a heart that doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want kindness in any form to come to that person, that situation. Right. Power of God there. But when the goodness, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, yes. listen, he said, listen, if he had kept a tally of every reason to not show kindness toward us, you and I would all be on our way to a bottomless devil-filled hell because of his kindness lord i need your power to help me with this kindness that i ain't got i don't have it well at least you know what you bring to the equation but what if there's another one who says my kingdom operating in your life will be my presence, giving you the ability to release, to forgive, to let go, to show kindness, and giving you the ability to walk in ways that please me. I shall run the way of thy commandments, David said, for thou wilt enlarge my heart. I will run the way of your commandments only when you enlarge my heart to run the way of your command. But he's able, he's willing, he wants to, folks. Bring this, bring this back into right where we are. Our street address, our our set of keys that open up our doors and start our cars, bring it right back there. Don't apply it to somebody else. Don't be thinking this is something for only a certain group of you know, super spiritual people. The, the, Lord, the Lord, it was the common people, the scriptures say, who heard Jesus gladly. He said these things to common ordinary people. He said, My presence, pursue what pleases me. Seek from me my power to enable you to be what you could never be on your own. You see, sometimes we think, well, I'd love for you to help me clear that seven-foot high jump bar. You know, we got all that out there. But then we get to thinking, I'm just stuck with my emotions. I'm stuck with the way my emotions are. We're like, believing that God can do everything in every other category with everybody. But, but the, the way I feel, the way I think, my choices and how I feel, It's so massive, it's so impregnable that not even God can touch it. That's a very dangerous place to live in. Lord, whatever in my life that is in place that doesn't please you, I'm asking you for the power to be able to literally from my heart agree with you that that's wrong, that that doesn't need to go, and then for me to be able to trust you that you'll change me. Amen. You'll change me. You'll change me. You'll change me. Set this captive free, Lord. Change me. Amen? Amen. Now, folks, listen, now, there's good news. There's good news in this, Lord, saying I'll simplify your life. You don't have to keep fighting all the battles you've been fighting. You don't have to keep straining over everything you've been straining over. You seek first the sense of my presence. You seek first what you see and understand pleases me. And And then ask me for power but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall be upon you and you shall be my witnesses. He had to be talking about their emotional well-being, their countenance. I mean, you, you try to get a witness for Jesus from somebody just mad at you and just talking to him, just trying to, give you, just trying to send you to hell right there, but I want you to know how much I love Jesus. You think, give me a break. <laughs> so it had to be that in all the categories of our lives, he brings a likeness of the person of Jesus to bear in our hearts. And so we're just naturally, supernaturally becoming something we've never been before. All right, I better quit right there. Will you just take this and chew on this? Listen, folks. It, this, this it, it, You've you got to take it out of here. You need to sit with this. You're not going to have this power imparted to you just by this preacher telling you about it. Nobody can do your seeking for you but you. You seek. And then tell me about what happens. I want to hear about that. Okay? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. We thank you, too, for your spirit causing your word to come to life. Oh Lord Jesus write these truths of your heart toward us and these truths about your kingdom across the soft cement of our spirits and then Lord let them harden into strong and fast principles by which we automatically live as your new birth your new creation in us changes us to the deepest part of who we really are. Lord, will you send us out from this place, an army of mercy? We're a family, and this is a hospital for the brokenhearted, but Lord, would you send us out as we leave? Would you send us out as an army of mercy, not so overconsumed with what's going on with us that we can't even see the people around us that you came to save and to love? But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in San Antonio and Bear County and in Texas and in the uttermost part of the earth. May it be, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. amen.